right, NFL podcast. We haven't named it yet, but every week we're going to talk some football. Usually, I think we're going to try to do Mondays after the Sunday games, but since uh, there were two games on Monday night this week, we waited till Tuesday. I'm John Reed. Corey Gunkel joins me. DC, DC Corey, what's up, man? What's up, dude? How's it going? Big win for the Titans last night. Big win for the Titans. Uh, big win for the Titans. Titans fan here. Corey's a Saints fan. Those are our squads, so we both are victorious. And I don't know how you feel, Corey, but for me, there is nothing like the days after a victory. Life feels good. Everything. This, I hear butterflies. Butterflies don't even make a sound, and I hear them chirping. That's how happy I am. Birds are fluttering around. Butterflies are chirping, even though butterflies don't chirper. And here we are. 1-0. 1-0. Both 1-0. And it's it hits even sweeter uh, as someone who uh, whose team beat Tom Brady going to a division rival. Probably one of the most satisfying opening day wins that I've ever experienced as a fan. But I will say the Saints don't win many openers, so it's one of the only uh joys of week one i've experienced in a long time i mean other than last year so yeah the birds are chirping it feels good you got a division win under your belt you got a win under your belt the titans didn't blow it and things felt fairly normal almost almost scarily so for me other than watching the saints game like that like watching red zone felt pretty normal which was kind of scary to me because i thought it was going to be a lot different but uh, you still had philip rivers down by seven with a minute left. You know, he will be doing that in hell when he dies. You still had, uh, you know, the Jets looking awful, the Falcons looking bad. Um, you still got the Patriots beating up on an AFC East opponent. Did it feel different for you? Because it didn't feel that different for me. No, no. Um, I didn't really care at all that there were no fans. I thought, I thought the play was relatively good too I didn't think it was overly yeah. sloppy um I thought that you know it was a little weird seeing masks on the on the coaches I mean that that was a little odd and to see the refs go back under the booth that's going to take some getting used to they have to go back under the tarp I guess to check reviews it still amazes me that in 2020 that's the move like I don't understand why in sports like even watching the NBA like whenever we have a replay why we have to have the refs rewinding and fast forwarding and looking at things it should be easy like hey we got a guy back in new york he tells us here's where it's at trust me i've watched it twice really quickly let's just go it's crazy to me it takes as long as it does so that was the only times it felt weird watching them go back under the uh under the tarp but uh the pumped in crowd noise was a little weird in the cowboys game i think it was but other than that i didn't mind it yeah, it didn't, it didn't feel weird at all. When, like I said, when you're not watching your own team play at home, it it didn't feel weird. Not an empty Superdome was bizarre. That that one felt really weird. Yeah, and 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 the Superdome is probably one of the only places from the first week that it felt weird. I mean, uh, I guess next week when the Seahawks are on primetime, that might feel a little weird. But as a, yeah. as a Titans fan, I don't think it'll make much of a difference for our, our home field advantage. So I'm not worried about that at all. Like you said, we had Philip Rivers still scrambling, trying to put together a come-from-behind victory. He did not. He failed. He's off on those situations, and that was nice to see. As as someone who did not get the preseason Colts love fest, they were actually favored to win that AFC South. I don't get it. 
Yeah, they, they didn't look very good. I feel like, to me, one of the biggest storylines coming out of the weekend is just the old quarterbacks looking old. Yeah, they did. I mean, uh, Brady looked bad. Breeze had a bad game. Probably the worst game I've seen Drew Brees play in, in two or three years. Oh, my God. He admit it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it'd be, the Saints are deeper than the holler, like I told you, so it doesn't matter. You know, they could win with Jameis, and they'd probably still win 11 games. But, uh, yeah, the, the 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 old old man quarterback play was really bad. Phillip Rivers, awful. And, uh, and, and I will say this before – I just want to get into it a little bit before I forget. Get the Browns the hell off my TV forever. I am sick – and I shouldn't be as sick of the Browns as I am – because they are historical losers. They suck, and they have sucked since I have been alive. They will suck long after I am worm food, so I don't understand why I hate them so much, but I'm so sick of seeing the Browns suck on my TV. I think it might have just been that year of offseason hype last year when they everyone thought they were going to be the surprise pick to make a playoff run, but please stop Red Zone. Stop showing me the Browns. I'm sick of Baker Mayfield. I'm si- They've made Odell Beckham Jr., non-existent it's almost impossible the giants couldn't do that and they're god awful so please get the hell browns off of my television forever um but yeah i think the story of the weekend was old quarterbacks look old um philip rivers still gonna do his thing and um there's no way you're gonna get me to stay up for another monday night 10 o'clock game did you make it all the way up to the end of the game? I watched I watched the whole thing, and it's just... I was fired up. I couldn't sleep. I was up till 3 o'clock. Well, of course. Of course. Of course. But, I mean, I was up Jesus. till 3 a.m. consuming all of, the, all, of the, all of the content for the Titans. All of the content. Gutskowski. So bad. Not, not many teams. So bad. Not many teams can say they went on the road and won this week, and not many teams can say they went on the road and won in front of opposing fans, okay? <laughs> we, there was there were some fans in Denver. We had we had to. Oh, deal, I did see that. We had to deal with the altitude. Some are saying that's the best road win of the season. Some are saying that's the most impressive. <laughs> some are saying that was the most impressive win of Week One. Honestly, so the Titans looked fine. The offense I thought looked good. They did look gassed. I will say Derrick Henry and AJ Brown both looked gassed from the altitude. So did Clowney. But you know you get out and your story's your kicker. Which is fine. That's the story of the game. It's a lot easier to swallow when it is coming off of a victory whenever it didn't cost you the game. Right. But I'm impressed. Tannehill, Tannehill took the boys 90 yards in three minutes like he had to. That's what good quarterbacks do. He picked them apart. He took them down the field in altitude. A gas team, three minutes down the field, easy. Could have had a touchdown, should have had a touchdown, but it was funnier to win on a winning field goal. Yeah, I mean you can't you can't get much funnier than that. It kind of reminded me of the Raiders win too. The Raiders going on the road, uh, no fans in Carolina, but still pulling out a win uh, against uh, you know Teddy Bridgewater and those guys. I feel like that's that's going to be the the name of the game is just surviving this year, and that's why I was so happy with the Saints week one when you know a bad offensive performance for the Saints. You put up twenty seven, should have been more with the Camaro touchdown there at the end. They got taken away. They also missed a screen pass. It's just a good play by. Uh, Tampa to, to knock it down. But so, like you said, you survive, you let the crowd noise, uh, pump into your television sets and, and you try to move on. I think the other thing that really stuck out to me, speaking of the Raiders game, uh, did you see Gruden's hair in that game when he took his hat off toward the end? That was unfortunate. And it was one of the reasons I can relate to that as a bald man. That fear oh. is why I just went and shaved my head. 
because there were times when it, my hair was thinning that if I would catch it from the wrong angle, it would be more embarrassing than just having a bald head at the age of 25. So I, I sympathize with Gruden, but at the same time, it might be time to let it go, bro. It might be time to keep it short. It's hard to have worse hair than the Davis family, but somehow he has managed that. But it might be it, it might be time to just let it let it go. Let it go. Go I, short. I'm telling you now, John. I'm telling you now, that was a come to Jesus moment for me. Uh, because I am thinning. Um, I do have that like I mean, it, honest to God, when he took his hat off, it looked like Charles Schultz had like drawn on the hair, like Charlie Brown. It looked like one or two little curly cues sticking up. It was really embarrassing, and all I could see was myself. I, it was like a looking at a mirror, but like I'm a little fatter. And to seeing John, no, no, Gruden's no, you're, like, you're not fatter. Gruden's put on the weight. You're not fatter. He has. He, he, that's true. He has put on. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. He. I, I will give myself a little credit. Uh, I have bigger titties, but he is definitely fatter. And um, I, all I could see was myself get getting out of a pool and my just like disgustingly thin hair, like all seven of them sticking up because I'm good on the sides and even the front, my hairline's thinning a little bit, but I'm good. But there's just a huge, it looks like I'm wearing a yarmulke right dead in the middle of my head. And once I saw that, I went the opposite way. You, you shave, you go full shave. I'm going down swinging and I bought a three month supply of Rogaine for $47 on Amazon. And I've been dropping a milliliter in the hair all day long. They're like, don't use more than twice a day. Like don't do it twice a day. And I'm just like, I don't care. Like I'm just dumping like a little bit at a time every couple hours. You know, huh? If I feel back there and I'm feeling a little sad, like I just dump a little bit in there. And it's because of Gruden. I'm excited to see how this works. You need to, did you take before pictures? I did. I took a before picture on Monday. So I can actually update people on social media or whatever too, if, if anyone's interested. Uh, but I, I truly did, John Gruden, because like you said, having worse hair than the Davis family is impressive, and he managed to do it, and it, it pretty convincingly. So that that was probably my biggest takeaway is that like father time comes for everyone, including the old ass quarterbacks in the league and um, and my beloved Drew Brees, um, but also just you got to let it go at some point. Gruden's at that point. Man, I, I just couldn't get over the old quarterbacks. Like, Rodgers is the youngest of the old quarterbacks, and he looks like it. Like, Rodgers, oh, yeah. he, he says the first time he hasn't had elbow discomfort in, you know, almost a decade. So, I'm excited to see how he plays this year. I think he is tired of the conversation about him not being as good. I think he is tired of, you know, the fact the Packers drafted Jordan Love, trying to push him out. So, I, I do think he has a real FU mode season coming, and... But outside of him, like, I mean, uh, you know, Phillip Rivers looked awful. Brady looked awful. I thought Breeze looked bad. I know they still won, but I don't think it was anything Breeze really did. Yeah, no, it wasn't. I thought Big Ben looked pretty bad on Monday Night Football. He did get better as the game went along, but, you know, he was just hitting open eight-yard slants. The Giants' defense is trash. I thought all those old quarterbacks looked pretty bad. Pretty bad. Yeah, it's it's definitely, I mean, this is the end, as we know. And, you know, this is probably Breeze's last year. If Brady plays the way he did um, all year on Sunday, it's his last year for sure. Maybe he could squeak out another one. Um, Phillip Rivers, yeah, I mean, God, at this point, you know, he's about to have his, like, 90th kid. Like, he needs to see them at some point. So, like, I, I just don't think... I don't think it's going to end well for a lot of them. I think, you know, obviously I'm a huge homer, but I mean, I think Breeze has the 
the best route ahead because he's got great play calling and a really deep team around him. Unlike, you know, I think the Steelers too, I think Big Ben looked the best out of all of them, but still not great, like you said. So it's definitely the turning of the uh, of a new leaf in the NFL with the Mahomeses and Lamar Jacksons uh, taking the mantle. Um, and then you still have Russell Wilson in that tweener category. But like, yeah, it was bad. I mean, but I was shocked too at the, the, the play overall. I know you mentioned it earlier just quickly. I was surprised at how clean the football really was. I mean, you had a lot of penalties in some games, but other than that, it really wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Well, I think the teams that have penalties had a bunch of penalties on Sunday. Like, Tampa Bay had a bunch of t- penalties, but that's kind of what Bruce Arians has done there. Yeah. They've been undisciplined, so I don't, I'm not blaming that on the lack of preseason or the situation. I'm blaming that on just maybe he's not a very good coach when it comes to those things. Yeah, I would say that's probably the case. It was really it was really embarrassing. It was really embarrassing in uh, last night's Titans game, though, like on the third play, we got a delay of game. That was pretty funny. That's bad. I mean, a delayed game in front of like 45 people. That's like, I mean, that's, not, that's like I watch Conference USA football, so I'm used to that, but that shouldn't happen when I watch NFL games. It's the altitude, bro. It's the altitude. <laughs> I mean, hey, a win's a win. A win is a win. Everyone knows that the Monday Night Football doubleheader is really tough for the road team to win. Everyone knows that the altitude in Denver is it makes it a really good atmosphere that makes it a really good home field advantage everyone knows that fans being in the stands was unusual uh the titans credit to them for overcoming all that adversity and you know 10 points being left off the board by a bad kicker so i don't know how you feel but i I feel very firmly I, i put the titans at number three in my power rankings today number three I saw that. I saw that. And they're, they're not in my top five. I don't do a power rankings, but if I did, they definitely wouldn't be three. Um, but I mean, you get, you have to feel good after a win. You can't feel, I mean, especially a, a win that you're like, you're supposed to lose that game. If, if your kicker misses like a million field goals and an extra point, you're supposed to lose, right? So if you can win that game, it's even more fun. And it's even more fun when your kicker is the guy that wins it at the end. And it's just like, like I, I enjoyed that just like watching it as a fan of just football because it's hilarious. And and like you said, take care of business on the road, even though the road doesn't matter much anymore. Um, and and you go. I mean, that's why I'm happy with the Saints too. I, I'm, and I was happy with watching Red Zone and being distracted for a couple hours until I saw Gruden's hair, reminding me of my own mortality. Um, but yeah, after a week of, of this, I'm just shocked that I'm I'm less surprised at how normal it is than I thought it would be. And I think that's, other than the old-ass quarterbacks, that's my biggest takeaway, is that just, like, I, I guess it it can't get much weirder, and yet we just, we watched Red Zone, and we tweeted, and we all had a good time, and it just felt like there was not a single solitary difference other than, like, uh, you know, the Giants had, like, 150 less fans. COVID testing, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that, obviously, early in the season, see how that goes. Uh, I was wanting to see how, you know, the home field advantage works out because, you know, in gambling, usually that's three points on the spread. It, it, it seemed like it didn't really affect the games that drastically. Uh, the week two spreads, I feel like they're still sort of kind of taking home field advantage into account on a couple of these spreads. I, I want to see how it goes from week to week. I thought coming out of week one, the AFC, I, I think the the rich got richer or the rich proved that they're richer. I guess I thought the chiefs and Ravens and I'll even throw the Titans in there just because of 
you know, last year's AFC Championship berth. I thought all three of those teams won. I think all three of those teams are still going to kind of be there this year. I would add the Bills in there. And we'll see about the Steelers. But I thought the AFC, the top was still the top. No real surprises there. The NFC, on the other hand, I think is going to be wide open. I was down on the 49ers preseason, so I wasn't surprised to see what Kyler Murray and the Cardinals did, but they looked like a playoff team to me. They did. And then I kind of thought that the Rams are going to be back. I I think that the NFC, and really, honestly, I, I thought that the Washington football team, I think they are just going to match up so well with what the rest of that division can't do, which is block. Like, if you look at the other three teams in that division, and I know the Cowboys might get, you know, they'll get, they'll get Collins back, so maybe they won't get completely dominated like they did by Aaron Donald. But that, that Washington front four has dogs on it. You know, it's nothing but first-round picks when you look at Sweat and, and Chase Young. Like, I mean, those guys are there to disrupt, and they dominated the Eagles' front line. The Giants last night couldn't block, and the Cowboys couldn't block on Sunday night. So I think Washington has a real chance to be a playoff team, too, in that in, in that conference. Without question. No, I think the NFC is going to be the Wild West. And, I, I mean, the Seahawks. The Seahawks looked awesome. When they just let Russell Wilson do what he wants to do, you know, let, let him rip, they look really good. And if they let Russell Wilson throw the ball as much as they did, when you have a, when you have a potential star like D.K. Metcalf, I mean – the Seahawks are somebody that would really scare me um, in the NFC as well. And then obviously you have the Saints at the top of the class um, and you have, um, you know, really other than that, I, I don't know. Like you said, I think the Seahawks, the Saints, um, and the, you can maybe see if the Niners bounce back. I don't want to count them out after week one. I was down on, I was down, I was down on them. I don't like their lack of skilled players. We'll see if they go out. Like, you know, there's a couple of wide receivers apparently on the block now with Allen Robinson and Odell Beckham. I don't know if either one of those guys will actually get moved, but the 49ers are going to need a playmaker on the outside, especially if Kittle is going to get banged up and that running game might not be as dominant as it was last year. But, I mean, yeah, the Seahawks, when you combine that with, I don't know if you've looked at their schedule, but that was one of uh, my preseason keys was, the Seahawks have the easiest schedule when it comes to opposing quarterbacks. They're not going to play a lot of good quarterbacks this year. So I don't know how tested that defense, which, you know, might be susceptible. I don't know how much they're going to be tested. And if game one is any indication, if they're going to let Russell Wilson actually throw the ball this year and not try to, like, you know, run the ball on first and second down and then say, hey, Russell, bail us out, they become infinitely more dangerous to the point where they might be the best team in the NFC right now. Yeah, I mean, they looked really good. They looked really good. And, of course, the Falcons, you know, are doo-doo. But uh, the when you let Russell Wilson, like you said, do that, it's scary. And and he's – I am deathly afraid of Russell Wilson more than any other quarterback in the league. And, like, maybe even – like, maybe – okay, NFC for sure, but maybe even more so than a Lamar or a Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I just have trauma from him and playoff losses. But just watching him year after year, it's going to be scary if they can put it together, like you said. And then, um, and then I, 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 I'm with you, man. And how about Matt Patricia? You get, he's got to go, right? You can't hang on to him. Last point there. I would like to just say that uh, Lamar, no. I am not more afraid of uh, yeah, you're right, Lamar you're right. than Russell Wilson. But Patrick Mahomes, uh, yeah, he's still the scariest as someone who yeah, yeah. got an up-close-and-personal view of him just willing that team to a Super Bowl last year. 
But yeah, Patricia, I mean, he, him and Swift, the biggest losers of the weekend coming out, I think, of the NFL. Like, although Patricia is just a loser. So there's no real surprise there. I, I thought it was such a just a laughable quote that he tried to defend his fourth quarter collapse as by pointing out that he once had the the best fourth quarter call ever, referring to, you know, Malcolm Butler intercepting Russell Wilson. He said that? Yeah. He said in 2014, I think I had the best fourth quarter call ever. Or one of. One oh my of. God. Like, hey guys, remember that one time we came up clutch in the fourth quarter when it wasn't my team and like Malcolm Butler just made a really good play after the Seahawks kind of made a bad play? That's pathetic. Yeah, that guy's a, a huge loser. I mean, literally the only way he could be more of a loser is if the pencil behind his ear was mechanical. That guy sucks. Uh, and at this point, if you're a Lions fan, I mean, you've wasted Matt Stafford's prime. I mean, even I mean, Stafford's a great quarterback to me. Yeah, Sta- Stafford's still good. Stafford's a top 10 guy. And even after blowing a 17-point lead, he brought them down and threw the game-winning touchdown. Yeah. It's just DeAndre yeah. Swift can't catch. Just dropped it. Yeah, just dropped it. So, I mean, just the fact that you blew Matthew Stafford's prime, you forced Calvin uh, Johnson to retire, and now this, um, it's pathetic. Losing to me, I mean, I'm not a Lions fan at all. I don't care about them at all. And I was getting so mad watching that game because you just allowing Mitchell Trubisky to beat you on the road after going up by that much. I mean, that's it's it's a war crime. It's bad. Like, like just get the hell out of here. I mean, you can join the Browns because – um, it, that, that was definitely the most embarrassing loss of the weekend, I think, by far. And it, it's going to be tough to beat moving forward. It's pr- really bad. I don't know how much longer he'll stay there. That'll be something to, that'll, that, that'll be something to keep an eye on because, like, you know, COVID and financial concerns. Like, we thought it was going to be an issue in college. And then, you know, Southern Miss immediately got rid of their coach. So we'll <laughs> see if it's an issue in the NFL. But, like, Patricia is a dead man walking there. Like, he's just a loser. And the thing is, I think the Lions have a chance to – I thought they had a chance to be a wildcard team, and I guess they still do. Yeah. But it's not going to be with Matt Patricia coaching them the entire way. No, it it, it needs to be literally anyone else because he's awful. I'm, I knew this was going to happen, but I'm also yeah, – I'm interested in seeing the resurgence of Cam. And, I mean, my God, like, who is Odell Beckham's, like, best friend? Cam Newton, who has a ton of cap space, the Patriots, who's the best coach of all time, who could easily lock up somebody like that in a trade, Bill Belichick. So if they make a move for somebody and they get somebody like OBJ, then I mean, the the Pats, that's a scary AFC wildcard team. I, um, I I don't. You should be worried if that happens. Well, it's funny because like right now, as we're speaking about this at 6.40 p.m., uh, the 49ers do sign a wide receiver. They go and sign Mohamed Sanu, which was going to bring me to my point, which was going to bring me to my point. Like the, the Patriots gave up a second round pick for Mohamed Sanu last year, and it was a disaster. So I don't blame them if they're going to be a little gung shy in terms of trying to go trade for another one, especially an Odell Beckham type. Like I, I really don't, I, I really don't know who's going to want Odell because I don't want to be that guy because I like talent. And I usually side with players, and it's always worth it to get talented players. But I'm really questioning just, like, how good Odell Beckham is right now. I see. I, I, just, I, I To me, it's a Browns thing. Because, I mean, he's been great everywhere else. And, like, the, the, it just started. I mean, I, I know, but, like, I think we overrate Odell a little bit. 
Like I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like the conversation surrounding that trade was like, wow, how could the Giants give up on Odell Beckham? Even as they got two first round picks, we're like, how did they do that? And I think it's pretty clear right now that Dave Gettleman was completely right about trading Odell Beckham. In my opinion, yeah, he he won. I mean, he won. He won the trade. Yeah, I mean, he gets the Browns, and I mean, he struggled to get to a thousand yards last year, or and he's like at you know twenty two so far through game one, and ten targets. It wasn't like they weren't throwing him the ball. Now they weren't all accurate, but he had some drops. It wasn't like he he had a big drop. It wasn't like he was playing well. Yeah, he had a big drop, and the, him and Baker Mayfield just have zero chemistry, and I hate using those kind of platitudes because it's so overwrought and you always hear that bullshit, but like they really don't, they, they have no connection whatsoever. And it's obvious. I think they know it. I mean, it, when they talk about themselves, like in interviews or like, if you just see the, like a clip of them discussing the offense on Twitter or something, you can tell they, they know they're not on the same page. So uh, I do agree that, yeah, OBJ may have taken a step back um, in the past, like two, three years, but I think it would be a very scary situation in which Cam Newton, uh, Odell Beckham, James White, uh, Julian Edelman get to romp around in, in a division known for being filled with just absolutely historic losers. You know, other than the Bills being pretty good this year and that defense is for real. Can Josh Allen, you know, stay with it and uh, prevent the fumbles and turnovers? But yeah, that, so that'll be interesting to see if they or if the I guess the Niners made their move just now. To see if the Patriots go out and make a move. Uh, because, yeah, the Niners needed to do that. I mean, they let Emmanuel Sanders walk. And now the Saints, he goes to a, guy, a team that's going to be competing against you for an NFC title. So, yeah, you got to do something. And, and another thing that we don't criticize Bill Belichick enough for is when trades go wrong. Because, like you mentioned, they give up a second rounder for Sanu. And you don't hear anybody crush him. Now, can you imagine if Bill O'Brien or somebody had done that? They would be absolutely destroying him to this day. So we need to give Bill Belichick more crap for that because that was an awful trade. Belichick has had some whiffs, and I mean, like, we don't criticize him because the results have been there. And, you know, it, it's fair. You you earn the benefit of the doubt. But, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, he's he's had moves that haven't worked. I mean, he brought in Hainsworth. It didn't work. He brought in Chad Johnson. It didn't work. Didn't work. He, uh, you know, this the new trade, the, 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 the fact he can't draft a wide receiver. I mean, Nikhil Harry looks awful. He drafted him over A.J. Brown, like – it's uh there's a whole list of failures of him as a GM. It's just that he game plans so much better that it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's true. Now I will say that like, first of all, correction, the, the giants did not get two first round picks. They got a first and a third round pick. So wanted to fix that first. Uh, I still think they won that trade clearly, but I, I just honestly, like, I don't think I raised my ceiling on the Patriots. Even if they went and got Odell Beckham, I think it would just, there would still be a team that's going to be lucky to get to nine and seven. Like I, I think their hard ceiling is nine and seven right now, and it might even be more like eight and eight. Is that good enough for a seven seed? Yeah, maybe because the Browns suck, and I thought the Browns or the Colts or the Texans would be that seven seed, and all three of those teams look stinky in week one. So maybe the Patriots can get that playoff spot, but um, I just don't think Beckham has enough in the tank, especially in an in season trade where he has to learn a new offense. I know him and Cameron boys, but I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters. And I, if I, I, if my team traded for Odell, I would not be excited. Yeah. Well, I don't have to worry about that because um, we're loaded. So um, that's for, for poorer teams to have to deal with. I'm, I'm just worried about getting Michael Thomas back. Um, the best receiver in football. So uh, yeah, I mean the, the Pats, 
Are we still confident Michael Thomas is the best receiver in football? Because I got to say, on uh, Sunday, if I'm power ranking right now, it is going to be uh, maybe DeAndre Hopkins 1 and Devontae Adams 2. Both those guys looked really, really good on Sunday. They both looked really good. And Michael Thomas had, you know, I think it was his worst game since his rookie year. Uh, but he, high ankle sprain. You just got to let him, if, I, if I'm if i the Saints, Michael Thomas dealing with high ankle issues, you just sit him. Sit him for the next four weeks if you have to. Because then your receiving core is Emmanuel Sanders, Jared Cook, Alvin Kamara, Traquan Smith, uh, and Latavius Murray can even catch passes out of the backfield. So I'm just letting, I'm just riding with that. You know, you got the Raiders next week. That could, that's a win without Michael Thomas. I'm just sitting him. Am I crazy for thinking that? Because he's going to try to play. Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas went for Reggie Bullock. Okay. Or Randy Bullock, excuse me. What's his name? Who's the who's the kicker? Who's the kicker from the Bengals? Bullock? What, is it? Uh, oh, 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 yeah, like, like, yeah, like Randy. What? Who carries is a kicker, but yeah, when he's like Reggie. grabbing the wrong leg, <laughs> he went full Randy Bullock, where he misses, <laughs> he misses a chip shot and immediately grabs his leg. They report that he's got a left calf strain, but in the picture, he's grabbed his right calf. Like he's fully faking. Did you see it. how they listed it? Did you see how they listed it? How the uh, how the Bengals listed it this week? No, how they list it. So, you know, like you said, he grabs he grabs one calf and then says he hurt the other one. So in the injury report, it just says calves. <laughs> he overcompensated. The one calf had to, try to, had, to, had to try to compensate for the other one that was hurt. But Michael Thomas isn't hurt. He went straight. Randy no, he, Bullock. I mean, he, no, he abs. Okay. Okay. All right, Alex Jones. He is hurt. He got shut down. Then all of a sudden his ankle is bothering him. It's convenient. It's convenient. Yeah. No, he, he got rolled up on. I can send you the clip. Um, and it was by a teammate. It was a little friendly fire, unfortunately. But like I said, I'm not concerned. Let him sit. You know, you don't need him to win games. If you can win without your starting quarterback, you can win without Michael Thomas for a few weeks. So I say let him ride. But of course, he's not going to do that. He'll probably try to play through it. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at. You know, Saints played one of their worst games I've seen in the past a uh, couple of regular season games and you win by double digits against a division rival who has Tom Brady, Gronk, Leonard Fournette, Mike Evans, and Chris you, Godwin. You named so. three guys who are washed. You named three guys who... Woo! They are, oh, but that's what's even better about it. You named Tom, that, Grady, uh, Tom Brady and Gronk, who we don't know if they can play anymore. Washed. You named Leonard Fournette, who isn't really an elite running back anyway. He's like, he's, he's not any good. Like, he got five carries for five yards. He wasn't good in Jacksonville. Like, he's just, he's a bigger name because of his college career. He's not good. But I will say, shout out to some of the running backs. Like, I thought it was a bounce back performance by uh, Zeke. Ezekiel Elliott looked great. I thought Alvin Kamara looked Very great. Good. I thought they both looked healthy and fast again. And uh, Josh Jacobs looks like he might be ready to be the next like great running back. He looked awesome too. Josh Jacobs is the next great running back. He looked outstanding. And what's funny about Kamara is uh, Kamara should have had three touchdowns and probably four if that screen pass doesn't get batted down. He still was held to one. I think it was the lowest yardage from the line of scrimmage that he's ever had as like a professional athlete. And he's still, when you watch him, you come away thinking even he had like 13 yards of rushing and you still come away thinking, Oh, he looked really good. I mean, that's just how good he is. He's worth every penny. And he, you know, he's a receiver. He can return kicks. Yada, yada. You know, you're a Tennessee fan. You watched him for a couple of plays under Butch Jones. Yeah. It just um, depends on if he can stay <laughs> healthy and we don't know if he's a lead back. We don't know if he can carry the load. Like I still do question that. Like, whether or not he can sustain for a full season. So 
Right. I think he can because he is that like combination of thunder and lightning where you don't realize how big he is because he's like 210. Okay, let's but relax. You're right, let's, just staying let's, healthy. Let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit. We're not going to call him the combination of thunder and lightning. Like he's well, some, you're right. Like I, call him, I, call monster him, I call him Flightning. Like he's some flightning. monster. Say your damn joke. What is it? What what was what was my joke? What is the Flightning? What are you saying? Oh, Flightning. Yeah, he's he's, uh, he's thunder and lightning. He's Flightning. Acting like Kamara is a beast in between the tackles. Okay, let's just slow down. He is. Let's just slow down a little bit. He is not Derrick Henry, my friend. He's not. No, he's not Derrick Henry because he can line up in the slot too. That is that is Flightning or whatever the hell you're saying, Flightning. No, he can be Lunder. We've already have a Flightning. Kamara's Flightning. Derrick Henry can be Lunder. Okay, he can be Lunder. There we go. Hey, well, speaking of the Saints and Titans, do you want to introduce uh, our, our recurring segment? You introduce it. You introduce it because it's your idea, and I need you to explain it to me. Okay, so um, as we, you can probably tell, and I've even tempered it a lot, and I know John has too because we are insufferable in private. Yeah, but um, so a, a, as we've said, you know, I'm an enormous New Orleans Saints fan. John is a huge Tennessee Titans fan. So uh, we want to introduce a segment on this podcast called Homer Corner, where we wax poetic about um, the favorite teams of ours. The only the only kind of catch is John's going to do it for the Saints, and I'm going to do it for the Titans. So we're going to have a Homer Corner of John, uh, you know, hyping up the Saints, which I know viewers are going to love. And then I will do the same for the Titans. And uh, and, and I want to get it started off this week after we're both one to know. We're both feeling good. You know, one of us has a division win, too. Um, but, you know, that's he- neither here nor there in the grand scheme one, of things. One of us has a big road win in altitude in primetime. Yeah, well, we were in primetime, too. Well, you were in primetime in, like, Saudi Arabia. It was, like, midnight. You, 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 you got you to you gotta get the road wins when you can. You know, you, you just got to find a way to go get two road wins, and then you're fine. Two road wins a year, three, and you're, like, a, you're, you're a division winner if you get three road wins. We already got one. Hey, I'm... I'm in. You're talking to a guy who's seen many road wins in the past three years. In fact, I think the most in football. But like I said, neither here nor there. Um, so we're going to start Homer Corner. John, if you'd like me to start it, I can. Or if you want to go ahead and tee off first, uh, please be my guest. No, you go for it. Let's see what you got. Okay. So, so this is Corey Gunkel waxing poetic about the undefeated 1-0 first place uh, defending – or not defending, but I guess uh, – AFC runner-up from 2019, the Tennessee Titans. So I'm feeling very good right now as a Titans fan. I we're one and zero. We got the win on the road. We got the win on Monday Night Football. Now, uh, like I said, granted, you know, there was a start time about 3 a.m., but uh, I feel fantastic because uh, the defensive line looked unreal. And you add Jadavian Clowney, it only makes it better. Um, Ryan Tannehill, you know, still look pretty good, all things considered. You have perhaps the best every down back in football in Derrick Henry. A.J. Brown looks like a stud young receiver, um, you know, who could, you know, maybe be in that second tier below Michael Thomas. Um, so you have that. And, and everything I saw from the Titans that looked awful, the penalties, the, you know, just horrendous kicking game, all that good stuff. Even, I, you know, Derrick Henry now having his best I, game. I don't feel like homers use the word horrendous, but either way, keep going. <laughs> okay, okay, you're right. Uh, horrific. Um, but even even I despite all that, you, you, s- you, s- either, but. 
You say okay, uh, horrible, and, and you still have. That's just basically the same still, thing as horrific. <laughs> you still have a win, and you still come away. None of the none of the mistakes beat you. Um, you go on the road. You're up one nothing. But even if I'm a Titans fan, which I am, a huge Titans fan, love them. Uh, at the end of the day, all of that aside, I am sitting pretty, and I am smiling ear to ear because I'm in a division with some of the biggest losers in football. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am coach I I my my team which went to the AFC title lap game last year and has proven that I can get to you know one step away has to play against the Colts who like I said Phil Rivers going to be driving with a minute left down 7 in hell Bill O'Brien who might be the worst football coach in America and the Jags. So if I'm a Titans fan, which I am, I am very happy with how my team is right now, with how specifically the defensive line looks and the division that I'm in. So I'm as happy as a clam right now. Uh, I, I grade that uh, a six out of 10. I mean, you made good points about, <laughs> you, you, you made good points about the division. That is 100% accurate. Uh, but outside of that, I didn't feel great about that Homer corner. Um, what I was going to say about my new Orleans saints is look, sometimes fate smiles on you. And I think fate has smiled on us because, uh, it's almost a blessing. It's almost a blessing that we get to have an empty Superdome. We get to just focus on football. Um, my quarterback doesn't have to answer to the critics for his comments about, uh, you know, standing and, you know, standing for the national anthem and kind of, you know, throwing his teammates and their, their personal lives and, you know, their, their quest as black men under the bus. He gets to just focus on football, the national anthem. Side note, he's not, he's not racist anymore. He's not racist anymore. It's not in front of any crowd. Uh, no one's going to boo him. Like uh, the quarterback's not going to get booed in his own home stadium. So that's a positive. Never happens. And then we went in there and Alvin Kamara, he got paid and sure paying $16 million a year for a running back. That's never been a lead guy at any level of football ever. I mean, maybe high school, but not, per, not perenni- per, perennial player bowler, not in college and not in the NFL so far. Sure. Paying him $16 million might be a little risky, but you know, you got to take care of your skill players. Like we gave Michael Thomas a lot of money and sure it's, he only had like what? Three catches. Okay, where, Where's the Homer in this? Where, only, I, I need some positive. He only had like three catches the first game and he's already faking a, a, a ankle injury, but we take care of our skill players in new Orleans. We keep our offense happy. I don't know if you saw the $21 million man, Taysom Hill out there making a play. I mean, I think he even had like a one long completion. Like I think he had one long completion and maybe even a couple of runs for a first down. Highest so. QB rating in the game, baby. Yeah, so I mean, like, we take care of our skill players there, and, you know, we have three quarterbacks. Some say if you have two quarterbacks, you have none, but we have three. We have Jameis, we have Taysom, and we have Drew Brees, and sometimes we like showing off, and we might even be winning with our worst of the three. We might be winning with the worst of the three quarterbacks we have, letting Drew Brees go out there, and I think they had, what, six yards in the third quarter, and we didn't need them because old-ass Tom Brady threw us one, Shout out to Janoris Jenkins. I have zero concerns that Janoris Jenkins will get in any trouble this year or, you know, fall off and, and get in trouble or get hurt. He is a upstanding individual who has always been a pro's pro in the NFL. I'm pumped for him. Jackrabbit, baby. Speaking of the Jackrabbit and speaking of being a pro's pros, how about the sneakiness of Cam Jordan to throw a punch, to throw a punch and not get caught and to not get kicked out? 
I don't know if you saw those. Unlike my Titans, unlike my Titans who throw a punch. I, I was getting uh, ready to say. Punch. I was getting ready to say. Unlike the dumbass Rashawn Evans who got you know got caught throwing a punch and ejected. My Cam Jordan is smooth when he is uh, out there punching people. He didn't get he didn't get thrown out at all. He didn't even get a penalty. And I gotta say real quick, I gotta interrupt you just to share the tweet that I I sent you the other day. Cam Jordan after the game when asked how it felt to play in front of an empty Superdome said it felt like we were at a Tampa Bay game. NFC South is the pettiest league division in the league. Love it. Okay, go ahead. Continue. I mean, you really just killed my steam there, but uh, go go Saints. Uh, who who that? Give me a who that. Who that? There we go. Who that? There we go. We uh, all right. Well, that one and zero. it one and zero in the division? Feeling good. Um, and you know, next week against the Raiders, what could go wrong? What could go wrong in Las Vegas? That's right. I'm not worried. I'm not worried at all about the Jackrabbit in Las Vegas. Not at all. <laughs> this is one of those scenarios when you're uh, glad that they will have to stay inside the whole time. And it's really refreshing. My last little homer corner point is it's really refreshing because, you know, some people always talk about Sean Payton being an offensive genius. And I think it's nice and refreshing that he actually sucks at offense the last, like, year and a half. And, like, we're winning with defense. Like, he is showing that well, he they is, are top. They are top 10 in offense and defense. He is, so yes. he is showing that he is not one-dimensional. The offense actually kind of sucks. The defense is carrying the team. It's nice to see. It's nice to see. It is. It is. I mean, like, that's that's the best thing about it, watching the Saints, is they can win it any way you want. They can beat you 13-12. They can beat you 50-49. They just, can beat you with special teams, defense, just, offense, just not fan in the base. Play, just not in the yeah. playoffs if you have a quarterback who um, – is is either A maybe a virgin, uh, B well A B is a virgin I would say uh, B. But, uh, but uh, I'm trying to think of what to say about Jared Goff outside of looking like Ryan Gosling. Um, he's definitely not a virgin. And Case Keenum. I mean, who who, who can do, who, who can blame uh, Sean Payton and the Saints for losing to Case Keenum in the playoffs? I mean, who with a trip to the NFC Championship on the line and maybe a Super Bowl championship on the line. Hey, who can blame his, his legacy? Who can blame Sean Payton for losing that game? Who can blame Drew Brees not being I, able to score enough points? It's, it's the monkey's paw. It's the monkey's paw because, um, and I knew this was going to happen as a Saints fan. You know, like you're just you're going to be cursed because sure. the actual year they did win the Super Bowl, they went through Kurt Warner, Brett Favre, then Peyton Manning. So you knew after beating that those three, three. I mean, Kurt Warner probably not, but like two Hall of Famers, first ballot, and then Kurt Warner, who's a fringe guy. I knew after that, like, oh, they're definitely going to lose to a guy named Case in a couple of years, and sure enough, they followed, they followed up with a, a Jared and a Kirk as well. So good job, but uh, yeah. that, those are my boys. Love them. Love my Saints. Who yeah. Knows? All right, wrench, wrench arrow, baby. Uh, so yeah, that concludes Homer Corner. We'll do this every week. John, any other uh, last things you want to wrap up with? No, that's it. I got to go. Okay. Well, right, uh, this was fun. See ya. Gotta Peace. Go. Bye.